The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm glad I stopped using Facebook when I stopped using Facebook. Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. <laughs> if I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. This is Derek. And this is Romaine. And we just want to wish Adam a happy 100th birthday. Oh, my God, that makes him sound so old. Is it really his birthday? Oh, I mean episode. Happy 100th uh, episode. Oh, 100 episodes. That is quite a feat. How long did it take us to do 100 episodes, Derek? I don't know, like a day and a half. <laughs> no, 100 episodes is a big feat, and we are very proud of Adam Sank and all that ass. Why are you such a size queen about feet? What? Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like Absolutely. where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only... Happy, happy Pride, bitches! It's me, it's Adam Sank, and this is, in fact, our 100th episode. My sincere gratitude to Derek and Romaine for that lovely greeting. Uh, there's so many things happening today. It's our 100th episode. It is New York City Pride. It is World Pride. It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. I, I'm, I'm going to wet myself before this hour is over. There's a lot it's, going on. It's really fucking crazy. Um, where to begin? Okay, first of all, welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are live. Gail, we're live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 29th, 2019 at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can listen live to this podcast, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And if you are listening live, call in and talk to us at 844-825-5367. Leave your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this podcast. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page. And for God's sake, download the comedy album. Hey, here's something new. It is time once again for the annual podcast awards. The nominations open July 1st. Many of you will be listening to this podcast, this particular episode, after July 1st. So if you're listening and it's July 1st or later, please, I beg you, go to podcastawards.com and nominate the Adam Sank Show for awards in, there's three categories, I think, in which I'll be eligible. Comedy, LGBTQ, or whatever they're calling it, and the People's Choice category. So please nominate me in all three. I would love to be nominated again and maybe win one this time. Our guest today is Patrick Healy, the politics editor of the New York Times. This is maybe the hoity-toityest guest we've ever had on the show. He's going to be recapping everything that went down with the Democratic debates, some of which were really amazing and some of which were, which were kind of a shit show. We're going to talk about all of it. Uh, my mic is up uh, properly, right, JB? Because I Okay. Ah, but first, I need to introduce everyone's favorite frost pig who is all decked out for pride. He's actually wearing a jock strap in mm. the studio today. Please welcome Ryan Frostig. Hello. Happy pride. Happy anniversary. Ryan, can you describe the jock strap that you're wearing? Yes, it's uh, Andrew Christensen. And I it's- think it's Andrew Christian. <laughs> I'm a bad gay. Yeah. Andrew Christian. And it's um, multicolored. 
and it's not like a it's like i guess it's a jock strap but it's more like briefs that have like an like a whole a cutout. A cutout. I mean, your entire ass is exposed, and yes, that's what's which important. Is how it should be. In case Derek and Romain are listening, uh, Ryan is wearing shorts over the jockstrap. It's not like his hole yeah. is pressed up against these lovely. Oh my god! Leather Today, there this week has been so many holes in that seat in particular that's mm. been out in the open. It's not great. Don't tell Ryan that he'll lick the chair. Oh, god. Oh, god. Uh, JB, welcome. Happy Pride. Hi, happy Pride, Adam. Happy Pride, Ryan. Happy I Pride, can JB. hear you today. Your levels up nice. Oh my god! Because I focused today. I, I focused you. on me. JB has to work his ass off for this show. We have so much audio. But um, let me also explain to the listeners, you may have noticed that last week's episode is numbered on iTunes and other streaming platforms as 99A. <laughs> and you're thinking, well, this is bullshit, Adam. This isn't really your 100th episode. But it is. And here's why. Hmm. We've done a number of best of episodes. And uh, the normal thing to do is not to count those right. because they're like re- repeats they're like of old material. Episodes. Right. But one time, one time we gave it a number. So really, this is the 100th all-new, complete, hour-long episode of The Ass. How amazing. And we're celebrating it, and there's a phone call. I wonder who I it wonder is. I wonder if it's Gail or Charles. JB is, is, uh, is flummoxed. He's munching on a, a bagel that we bought him. Me. That red light is flashing. I feel like my, I feel like my life is flashing before me. Right. Sorry, who's on the line? What is happening, Jason? Hi, Jason. Oh my What's God! What's going on? Happy Pride! Thank you. Happy Pride to you, baby. Is this Jason from New York? Yes, it is. Girl, what are you doing? Man, what are you girl. doing for Pride this weekend? Well, I have a question for you. We did something very gay last night. Mm-hmm. We went to see Hugh Jackman in his MSG debut. Uh, I know what you're going to say. Yes. Where were you, Adam? We we're looking for you. So Where Hugh, were you? Yeah, so Hugh Jackman was backed up by a number of members of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. This was on stage at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Yes. I could yes. have done it. I chose oh. not to. What? For a couple of reasons. The main one being that okay. Thursday night was our massive concert at Carnegie Hall. Um, yeah, I saw that. We were joined by LGBTQ courses from across the country. We sang an original piece about Stonewall called Quiet No More. It was an it was unbelievable amazing. experience. It was beautiful. But putting that show together mm-hmm. was so much fucking work and so many hours of rehearsal. We rehearsed for three months. That I can when, imagine. Yeah, and, and when you're in the chorus, they're always saying like, hey, we're also doing this gig with Hugh Jackman, and we're also making this music video, and we're also performing at this <laughs> festival. And I, my, my like, standard response to those is no. Because it's just too much. Showbiz, showbiz. But I don't get paid for it. In fact, I pay for it. (laughs) We all all pay to be in this. But how was it? And more importantly, how were they? It was really nice. I think they actually did three or four numbers, Mm. actually. They brought him out several times. It was really cool the way he did it. He's such a really, like, ally. Um, Mm. And he's such a showman, too. He was, like, over. it was over the top. Is he the greatest showman? Uh, <laughs> but I'm fine. Mine's on fire today. It was actually it was actually way better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Because um, I didn't, we got invited by a friend had extra tickets. We didn't know what to expect. It's like Hugh Jackman. It's like okay. So what are you but doing? What, we were what are you doing for the rest of the weekend? Uh, probably just going to brunch and maybe seeing like a half hour of the parade and then get home. It's going to be bananas. It's going to be crazy. I mean, even walking around my neighborhood last night with Ryan, we saw a musical called Working at City Center, and we just kept running into men, like literally running into them. Running into them. They're everywhere. Oh, that sounds horrible. Well, you know what? It would have been better if it it weren't like 90 degrees outside. You know, it's steamy well, out there. It's too darn hot, as yeah. Cole Porter said. It's too yeah. darn hot. But Jason, thank you for calling. Anyway, thank you for happy listening. Pride, happy Pride! It's happy wonderful Pride, to hear a, 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 someone who never calls in. And um, I wish you all the best. Stay happy and safe this Pride. All right, bye. Bye, sweetie. Bye. All right, so we're way behind now. So I, I'm not going to get to all the stories, but I want to get to a few that are very important. Yes. And the most important one is about. Former Republican Congressman Aaron Schock. Yes, yes, we've talked about him many times. And we're going to keep talking about it. And the latest is that Aaron Schock was in Mexico City, went to a gay bar. And I think it's the same gay bar you and I went to, Ryan, when mm-hmm. we were down there. Mm-hmm. Stuffed dollar bills into a go-go boy's underwear. And somebody took a picture. Oh, 
My God. No, I don't normally print out color photographs for these stories, but I wanted Ryan and JB to see this picture because it looks like almost staged. Yeah. yeah it's it like, looks it's really actually fake. kind of a gorgeous photo. He yeah. looks so happy. It looks happy. like a, a movie. Like yeah, a movie like a still a from a movie. It's it just like his face in front of a penis. And he is glo- he's living he his is best life. So, so happy and present in the moment. It's like the first time he's ever done this. Again, how <laughs> I fell in love with a stripper. Exactly. Uh, Shock, of course, had no comment about this. I think at this point it's safe to say he's he gay. We don't need to uh, speculate Shimo. anymore. No, I need an apology for the fuckery he did. You oh, can't, you can't we all need apologies. Yeah. And stuff dollar bills down strippers' pants when you support anti-gay legislation. Correct. Meanwhile, our friend Kenneth in the 212, who's always on the air in Shockbeat, mm-hmm. he, someone leaked to him a text conversation that they had allegedly with Aaron Shock. Now, there's no proof that this really was with Aaron, and I was going to do this as a, a play reading between me and Ryan, Ugh. but um, I think it's going to take too long. So basically, th- this, this queen starts out by saying, Hey, Mr. Shock, I'm reaching out to you because I see a lot of bullshit on the internet about you, and I think it's disgusting that there are people leaking your nudes, etc. Shock says, thank you, sir. I really appreciate your reaching out and your support. It's surprising how mean and nasty people will be, especially those who preach tolerance, acceptance, and compassion. Thank you for your time. Um, then the queen, the, the original texter says, the hypocrisy is absurd. I agree. I just feel they're upset about your past policies towards gay people, and now it's coming out that you're into men. I think they feel upset and hurt. However, your sexuality is your business and this should not be happening. Here's where it gets interesting. Shock says, I understand all of that. We each have our own journey. Obviously, I hadn't come to terms with my sexuality 11 years ago when those votes were cast. Hmm. Sidebar, not an excuse for being anti-gay. There are plenty of straight people who support gay rights. Um, I plan to speak, but right now I'm dealing with my family, who I was in the process of coming out to when the Coachella video went viral. Ooh. This is why I think it's real. Yeah. Um, let's see. Not exactly how you want your mom to find out. They act as though I've been living a gay life <laughs> the past 10 years. I've been out of office for four years. I started coming out a year ago. I don't know any gay man who's told the whole world at once. The lack of perspective, I believe, is due to their hatred for me being a Republican. No, bitch. It's because you've literally voted against our basic civil rights. Yeah. So they go back and forth, and by the end of the conversation... The original texter is saying, um, P.S., this may be inappropriate, but you have a very edible ass. Just needed to say that. I'm very impressed. Thanks for the chat. Uh, Aaron says, thanks for the compliment. They talk about how they used to work out at the same gym, and the guy says, ha-ha, damn. I was there two weeks ago. Too bad I didn't run into you so I could say hi. Uh, And, of course, I would eat that up like it's my final meal. So... A representative for Aaron Schock reached out to Kenneth Two and Two and the media and said, <clears throat> "This is absolutely not him." But I, I, I think it seems it like him. Be. It seems yeah. real to me. Cut to Aaron Schock on a float tomorrow. <laughs> to <laughs> Diana Ross. Cut I'm to Aaron Schock at the Eagle tonight, hanging Cut from a to rafter. Me with Aaron Schock's dick in my mouth. I don't, see don't it do because it, you're a dirty, dirty whore yeah. for, for dick. No matter where it comes from. Even I've, I've sort of turned Republican into a little bit of a cocksucker, which we could talk about later. Yeah, yeah this time. is a, a new development. Now, we all know that Ryan uh, eating ass is his favorite hobby. But I he studied um, it in college. and I, I have. I have a degree. But now, should we even talk about why you've become a cocksucker? We can talk about it. All right, you go ahead. Uh, I, uh, I, I, have, I started seeing someone. It's been a little bit over a month. We'll call him uh, Boy Wolf. And um, he sort Hot of boy George. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be as hot. Um, and he just like has this this. I mean, he has a great ass, and I and I do eat it once in a while. But he he has a great dick, and I love sucking it. And uh, he loves when I suck it, and uh, it's very exciting. I and, stopped sucking dick. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Why did you stop sucking dick, JB? This is also because, breaking news. You know what? I don't get pleased in sex. Like, no one wants to eat my booty and please me. <laughs> like, they get there and I get nothing. So, I don't suck there. Sounds like you've but been sucking some I... selfish people. That's, yeah, yeah, that's everyone. I just want to say one more thing. I also, through this uh, new relationship, have had this um, moment of enlightenment where, like, I don't necessarily need to come. Like, we can have really good sex and sometimes I, like, just choose not to 
to come and it's kind of <laughs> amazing like there's something like like yes it's great to come it's great to ejaculate but sometimes it's better to like keep it to yourself and like let Ryan's it. becoming a woman right before my day. Yeah, yeah, she is. She she totally is. No, and I, then she's up again what orgasm feels like. Yeah, I get that. But then like cuz then once you do, then it's like, I don't know, I just don't feel like I need to I used to feel like I needed to like come every single day and every single time that I that I had sex. And then if I didn't, then it was like incomplete or like or, or disappointing to my partner or to me. And now it's like, I don't know, I just don't like there's so much more. If you enjoy sex without coming, call us at eight four four five five three six seven. No, I, I mean, listen. The older I get, the less important the orgasm is. It's wonderful. It I is. love it, but it kind of ends everything. Yeah. And so, as long as you're not coming, the sex continues, and it's sort of like you're you're enjoying the journey right. as well as the destination. Right. All right. Anyway. The, la- the last thing I'll say about Aaron Shock is that um, there was some speculation a few weeks ago that he might run for office because he. He made like an SEC filing. It's a it's a legal thing that n- indicates that someone's going to run for office. Um, but Shock denies it. He says all he did was change the treasurer back to himself because having a third party compliance firm like his campaign had had was expensive. So he but he's saying he will not run for his seat. Now he could always run for a different seat. He could move. Um, so we will keep our eye on Aaron Shock. Meanwhile, I hope he's having a great time in Mexico City grabbing, grabbing big, uncut Mexican dick. Yeah. Here's a story uh, that's a, a very important matter, and it backs up something I've been saying for years. Men, bottoms, there's no need for you to be douching. It's- oh. I searched so far and wide for that sound effect. You have no idea. That's not me, by the way. I almost, for the sake of the show, I I had JB douche. No, listen. According to a study published in the journal Sexually Transmitted Infections, a copy of which I have on my nightstand, uh, rectal douching may increase the odds of contracting HIV and other STDs, including, but not limited to, hepatitis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. Douching before sex damages the lining of the rectum, which leads to an increased risk of transmission due to indirect entry into the bloodstream. In a particular study of 21,000 men who have sex with men, 46% of whom were in the U.S., the rest were elsewhere, um, they focused on the association between douching and HIV transmission, and they found that men who practiced rectal douching were nearly three times as likely to contract HIV. Now, the authors note that it's quite possible that the risk of HIV and STDs just is greater in these men because they have more sex without condoms. It could be that if you douche a lot, you're also a big whore. (laughs) Um, But I have heard many times, and Dr. Goldstein told us when he was on the show, that douching is unnecessary. It's not good for you, especially saline. If you're going to, if you buy like a fleet enema, empty out the salt water and just fill it up with with regular pure, water. well, not regular water, but like distilled water, mm. something p- pure without salt in it, because that is really irritating to your asshole and your uh, innards. Um, excuse me, <laughs> when I douche, I have my tea cup and I use boiled water. I let that water cool. I put it. No, 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 no. I boil my water to make sure I take the water from us and I boil it. But Do I you also make water. yourself a cup of tea while you're doing it? I do, actually. You're classy. <laughs> I am. I picture very JB classy. like so naked elegant. on his side, like <laughs> sipping tea. <laughs> Smoking a joint. <laughs> that sounds lovely. And washing his hole all at the same time. All of that is correct. Well, I have said it before. If you eat a high fiber diet such that your elimination is complete. Yeah. You know what I mean by elimination, yeah. yes, Ryan? Yes, yes. And there are no remnants. And then you take a nice hot shower mm-hmm. with good soap. I like dial antibacterial soap. And you stick your fingers in your butthole with the soap and you Mm -hmm. rinse it out real good, you will be as clean as you could ever need to be. There will be no accidents. There will be no messiness. I I mean, listen, I've been fucked for thousands thousands of of years. And my clean to messy ratio is like 99 to 1. Sometimes I'm like, because I've actually never douched before in my entire life. Good. Um, but you've also never showered. Okay. Um, but I, I've always felt like really self-conscious because like I've, I've tried my best to clean out, but it's, it, I'm never like super successful. There's always like a little bit here and there, you know? Um, and there are some guys that like, if they see poop, they will 
they're done. Like they won't even like. I'm kind of done. I mean, it's not so much seeing for me. It's like, well, it is, but it's also like, sm- like right. As I soon as I it. smell poop, like the sex is pretty much over. I'm not. I'm not a bottom shamer. I'm not a paint shamer, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Um, if I'm topping a guy and he's messy, I'll just say like, oh, I, I think, uh, I think we need to jump in the shower. Boy you know? Wolf is like he, he's okay with like a little bit, but I think like if it's like a lot of shit, then he's like, I gotta. Well, don't douche. Bottom line. Um, okay. A couple uh, victories around the world in Botswana. This happened was back on June 11th. They legalized gay sex. Amazing! It's really, really um, rare for this to happen in in an African country. Yeah. South South Africa and I think maybe Tanzania are the only other countries in Africa where it's not criminalized. But a high court in Botswana struck down two colonial era laws, uh, which effectively legalizes gay sex. Um, it's the oh. It's actually, I'm wrong. It's the first on the entire continent to erase that colonial legacy through its courts. Wow. But I'm pretty sure maybe that's just um, when they say colonial, they mean Britain. Anyway, uh, gay sex is criminalized in more than half of African countries, many of which inherited penal codes from colonial power, such as Britain. The subject is seen as widely taboo. Um, Let's see. Last month, a Kenyan high court heard a similar case but dismissed it other countries such as mozambique and seychelles have simply erased mention of gay sex from their penal codes during the rewriting process that has accompanied constitutional reform botswana's powerful neighbors here we go botswana's powerful neighbor south africa is the only african country to have rights based on sexual orientation explicitly written into its constitution in other words south africa is way ahead of the u.s we don't say anything about lgbtq rights in our constitution or in any of our federal laws. But um, hooray for Botswana. Go Botswana. Meanwhile, in Puerto, R- in Puerto Rico, um, they had one of these religious freedom bills that looked like it was about to um, pass. In fact, I think it did pass. And then Ricky Martin spoke out. Mm-hmm. He published an open letter denouncing the law, saying as a member of the LGBTT, I'm not sure what the second T is, community, <laughs> Hmm. I join the constituency that affirms that there has never been a willingness among our people to allow for the validation or legalization of discrimination against us. House Bill 2069 filed at the request of Governor Ricardo Rosello and promoted by Representative Charbonnier achieved nothing more than opening the doors to hatred. Um, An hour later, Puerto Rico's governor killed the bill. Wow. That's awesome. Ricky Martin's powerful, Ricky Martin man. He's a powerful daddy. And that's why it's so important for celebrities to be out. Yes. You know, people say, what does it matter? It's just their private lives. They shouldn't, don't they have a right to privacy? Sure. But if you're Ricky Martin mm-hmm. and you have the power to stop a law that's going to hurt LGBTQ people in an entire territory. It's pretty major. It's how great that he's out and can do that. Yeah. 15 years ago, he couldn't have. Right. He, he didn't have that, that, that uh, ability. So coming out gives you power. Yes. And I think it's just fucking awesome that he did that. So hooray for Ricky Martin. I've always loved him. He's hot as fuck. He is so hot. Meanwhile, I'm out of stories. <laughs> oh, no one about the... Here we go. Here we go. Uh, New Jersey has become the second state in the U.S. to require that schools teach LGBTQ history. Yes. This actually happened. I know. This actually happened back in February, um, but uh, I just found out about it. (laughs) (laughs) California is the other state. They've both adopted laws that require schools to teach gay history. Um, Governor Phil Murphy, a Democrat, promised to promote equality for LGBTQ people during his campaign. He signed the bill. Um, The rainbow flag was risen at uh, Bergen County Plaza in Hackensack. You know, New Jersey's a blue state, but it's also one of these states where North Jersey, mm-hmm. where most of the people live, is very, very blue, and South Jersey is very red. Mm-hmm. South Jersey is, is sort of Trump country, and they also have horrible accents. <laughs> they, they, they have that Philly accent where they took like this, and I'm going to get a glass of water and go eat. Oh I'm going to get eight to his store and get a glass of water. It's this horrible, Ugh. twangy, nasal thing. No offense to anyone from South Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I love you. Sure. But you need to go to speech therapy. <laughs> anyway, um, this is not sitting well, obviously, in those parts of the state, but fuck them. Fuck those people. 
you know, you don't have to believe in homosexuality, whatever that means, or support homosexuality, right. to recognize that, like, history has happened. Yes. What, <laughs> what, what gays what, did. What gays did. It, it created made history. So, um, and, we, and they should learn what Stonewall is. They should learn who Harvey Milk is. Yeah. And, and Angela Davis. And, uh, you know, what the Mattachine Society. He, I was thinking about this. If I were a teacher... In any state, I would, uh, and I were a history teacher, I, my class would be called Social Movements. Yes. And I would teach about all the civil rights movements. Totally. I, I would teach about the, the black civil rights movement, the women's, women's. civil rights, gay, uh, the, what happened to Chinese Americans at the turn of the century when they were building the railroads. Uh, all, all of it. Marginalized and, groups. And you wouldn't have to take a position. It's not, you're not, you know... Uh, bashing just, Trump, just you're being not informed. You're just saying this is what's happened in our country. This yes. is the history of slavery. That's yeah. the main thing that that people aren't taught that they need to learn. So, hooray for New Jersey, work, and um, yeah. I mean, it's funny as a gay guy my age, I had to learn about all this stuff on my own. Yeah, really in college is when I started hearing the name Mar Harvey Milk. Right. It, yeah. You know. Yeah. I I, I feel like I. Learned about Harvey Milk through milk, through the film. Drinking milk. <laughs> I miss drinking milk. Actually, I don't. It's gross. So here's something fun that I came across. Um, this was on BuzzFeed. And uh, it, these are gay anthems from the year that you were born. Ah, uh, yes. They went through <clears throat> basically the last 50 to 60 years of music. If, if you're older than 60, I don't think you're, you made the list. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. I had some Facebook friends that were unhappy about they were that. Offended. But I was coming up with songs for them. Oh, that's sweet. From the year they were born. Anyway, mine, uh, 1971, was Cher, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, which Ryan will now sing for you. I actually don't. Like, I know the song, because, but I don't. Because uh, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, they, they called it other people, da, 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 and they called us Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. And every night they lay their money down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, that was mine. I'm such a bad gay today. I don't know that that's really a gay anthem, but okay. Ryan, now this was this a gay anthem because I, I remember dancing to this at the Everybody gay bar. Everybody dance now. Everybody dance now. So that's going to make you sweat. Parentheses, everybody dance now by CNC Music Factory. Ooh, JB's is really good. Now, the f before we get to JB's, the fun thing about that, uh, about CNC Music Factory is in the video, they had this gorgeous, thin model mm -hmm. singing the everybody. Like she was lip syncing, yeah. but really, it's the voice of Martha Wash. Oh, yeah. Martha Wash, the legendary singer right. from the Weather Girls and from Black Box. Um, they they had her record it, and then they decided like they needed like a hot young model to right. appear in the video. So she got kind of fucked over. Sorry, Martha. but it's a fabulous song. So now good. JB was born. Or first of all, what year were you born, Ryan? Ninety one. And JB is ninety three. So two years later, JB was born, and the uh, gay anthem was Robin S. Show me love. You got to show me love. So baby, if you that was my first me. dance mix I ever heard. It was I heard it a couple of years later. I'm going to say '99 is when I remember dancing to it. When you were six? Yes, my mom was like How she cute. played this song, and I was dancing like a little gay faggot, and that's exactly what she said. <laughs> I was oh, like, this. <laughs> it's it's this a, was a sign. <laughs> it's such a good song, though. Right? Mom. <laughs> It's so funny. I mean, this is when I really feel my age because I remember both those songs constantly being playing in the clubs right. when I was first coming out, and you guys were babies. I know you were you were born, and I was gay already. You were very. I was gay. sucking dick when you guys were born. I was sucking dick when I was born. At that moment, that's gross, right? <laughs> anyway, okay. also, what happened to Robin S? Uh, she was eclipsed by Robin. Yeah, without the S. Now she's uh, <laughs> she's relevant. Um, but, the, but all these songs are coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, they should be. That was a great era for club music. Yeah. Not, not my era, your era. Anyway, if you would like to find out your gay anthem, um, it's, this is a long link, so get ready, guys. It's buzzfeed.com slash MJS538 slash here's the biggest gay song from the year you were born with dashes between each word. Probably just Google it. Yeah. 
and you'll find it. Go to the Googs. But um, but it's fun. And uh, okay, it's fun. So as we said, this is World Pride. And I'm a little confused. It's not the first ever World Pride, right? It's just the no, first World in, Pride in New York. In New York. Or in America. In America. That's, that's what's significant about it. So what does that mean exactly? Uh, like what is World Pride? Everyone from all over the world comes here to and celebrate Pride. Fucks us? Yeah. Great. Um, Perfect. But no, but it's like, it's, uh, I mean, Pride and uh, NYC Pride is definitely one of the largest, like, biggest attended prides in the world so now it's just like i think they're anticipating like three to four million people Ugh. are coming to new york for world pride so hot it's gonna be it's gonna be well speaking crazy. of pride speaking of gay anthems hit it and steel by the way anyone who's born in 2019 this is your this gay? is your gay pride anthem All right, so there's so many prides happening right now. June 5th through 9th is Key West Pride. Yes. Wait, June 5th through 9th? That's long gone. Uh oh. All right, sorry. June 28th and 29th is Heartland Pride in Omaha, Nebraska. The 28th and 30th is Big Paris Pride in Paris, France. God, that music's so loud. Uh, San Antonio Pride. St. Louis, Missouri is June 29th and 30th. San Francisco Pride is June 30th. Alegria World Pride New York. Did you know it was called Alegria? Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. June 30th, uh, as in tomorrow in New York City. Uh, Bristol. Do you know where Bristol is, Ryan? Bristol, Connecticut? No, but that's a good guess. It's the United Kingdom. Oh. Um, their actual Pride Day is July 13th, but they have like a two weeks of Pride Week, which is like July 1st through 14th. July 5th through 7th is Cologne Pride in Cologne, Germany, where ironically, nobody will be wearing cologne because they are all raunchy pigs and they will smell like... Sounds like I should uh, book a last You should visit Cologne and leave your cologne at home. And finally, July 6th is the Pride in London Parade. Cheerio. Cheerio. Yes, cheerio to those of you in London, Cologne, Bristol, St. Louis, San Francisco, San Antonio, Paris, Omaha... And a, and a month ago, Key West, <laughs> wishing everyone a happy and safe Pride. And now it is time for our guest segment, and I'm very excited. Uh, this past Wednesday and Thursday nights, 20, 20 of the Democratic candidates for the presidency squared off in Miami. I was not able to watch either night because I was in dress rehearsal and then performance for our chorus concert in Carnegie Hall. But fortunately, I was able to read first-rate coverage of the debates in the greatest newspaper of all time, the New York Times. And that coverage is overseen single-handedly by the politics editor of the Times, who just happens to be one of my oldest, and I do mean oldest, <laughs> and dearest friends. So joining us now in the studio for his ass debut is Patrick Healy. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> it's so great to be here. The studio audience so loves you. Here. I've been elected to something. I don't know what. Patrick, does the Times know that you're here? Did they allow this? They have no idea. <laughs> uh, but since how many, how many listeners do you have? Uh, I'm, I'm sort of hoping. How um, dare you? Uh, how dare you, sir? If it, get, if it gets back to them, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I have dozens of listeners dozens <laughs> and some of them are your fan there's already been comments about your beautiful headshot which oh, looks like it's from about 10 years nice. ago oh, you're so good to me, so <laughs> good to me. Um, Patrick uh, I really didn't get to watch the debates I saw some highlights and we've we've cut some uh, some sound clips of the highlights and lowlights in your opinion were there any knockouts and were there any clear winners no knockouts but one unusually tough punch that really landed and could have some real uh, some real effects in this race and that is Kamala Harris on Joe Biden Kamala Harris you know, this was a pre-planned hit as often happens in debates a little backstory real quick Joe Biden uh, has been making these remarks to donors talking about how people in Washington need to work better together and his big reference point is how he worked with southern segregationist racist senators in the 1970s 
to pass things like tough crime legislation and oppose busing. These are very strange reference points for yeah. a current Democrat to be making. And Kamala Harris came into the debate, um, you know, a, a black woman who told her story on stage about how she helped integrate her public school in Berkeley, California. We, we have that clip. Take a listen to, to Kamala Harris addressing Joe Biden during the debate. Sorry, JB is just trying to queue it up. I've given him so many different clips mm -hmm. from this debate, so it's a little... He's got to go to different screens ones. to find them. Um, do you get... Oh, it's frozen? This is what happens well, with she, live radio. This never happens when you're on CNN, no, does no. it? <laughs> it happens... Are oh, you kidding all the time? <laughs> no, this is classic. The, no, the, uh, the upshot of it was that she, she built a story about how, you know, there was a young girl in Berkeley, California, who, uh, who was bust, and that was her. And it was a, one of those dramatic moments, again, even though it was pre-planned, that really kind of stopped things. And it was interesting, Ryan, um, Rachel Maddow and Chuck Todd, the debate moderators, who had told her she only had 30 seconds, basically turned the whole debate over to that moment. Right. And there was this long exchange between her and Biden, who said that he was, uh, that she was distorting his record on civil rights, but... You know, even so, the the takeaway was just so strong. Biden looked wobbly in responding. And she, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways she was really introducing herself to a lot of uh, Americans. She sounded, you know, very passionate, very credible, um, you know, mm -hmm. just in talking about what the Democratic Party today should, should stand for. And then I think what was striking was not just that her that she said it and said it so well but his response was to me one of the worst responses in debate history he he started he got very defensive he started defending himself do you have biden's response jb yeah i think we've moved past camilla now and then he he cut himself off I've so never strange. seen that happen oh, before. Yeah. So strange. And this is a guy who loves to talk. Yeah. He is a, you know, garrulous. And a skilled yeah, debater, guy. right? And a skilled debater, a lot of experience with debates. And he knew that he was in a bad spot. He wasn't able to really articulate um, a, a way to respond to Kamala Harris. And so he just uh, was talking and then said, oh, it looks like my time is up. But we may have the clip. Do we have it, Jimmy? Let's listen to that. In the very beginning, I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years. We got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it. I've also argued very strongly that we, in fact, deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody, once they, in fact, they should... Anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry. Thank you, Vice President. Wow. Bad, yeah. right? And no one was cutting weird. him off. He yeah. cut himself yeah. off. You yeah. said there were no knockouts, Pat. You don't think this is a knockout? So we were we were discussing that on deadline. You know, uh, there were a couple of reporters who thought this was a, was a knockout. But for me, a knockout is something that is such a game-changing moment that it, it leads to a candidate's decline and usually collapse, you know, in a race. Um, you've seen that, you know, you, you've, you can see those moments before uh, there was a... a, a a debate where Chris Christie in 2016 went after Marco Rubio so aggressively, so aggressively. You felt like there was just a series of blows. Rubio never really recovered from that. Trump, you know, would have those moments when he went after Jeb Bush and, and sort of mocked him for trying to seem like a tough guy. You know, it just felt like it sort of exposed Bush. With Biden, I, I have to say this, and I could totally be wrong. Biden's resiliency uh, is is real, and it's often throughout under, his whole career. Throughout his whole career, it's often underestimated. And the reality, and, and we talked to a good number of pollsters, strategists after the debate, who aren't necessarily, but certainly not Biden people, all of them who really felt like it's still Biden who has the certainly is well known enough and has the visibility, but is also delivering a message that speaks to a lot of older white people, a lot of just basic low information voters who just want this, the country to feel quote unquote normal again. They don't want massive change. They just want to stop hearing about Donald Trump and his Twitter feed, you know, every single day. That it's the, the, the people who for whom I think the bar 
for democratic change is pretty low. They just want Trump gone. Now, look, Biden, maybe this will be a knockout. Maybe he won't recover. Maybe he looked so wobbly or some people felt old and, and had really lost a step uh, that he won't be able to do it. But at least in talking to voters, and we have uh, about this, especially when the segregationist issue came up, you know, a lot of black voters, white Democrats, I don't they don't see Joe Biden as a racist. And, and Kamala Harris wasn't saying... No, she went out of her way to say you're not a racist. Yeah, exactly. But I do think the days of putting the old white establishment candidate up and, and just assuming that that's going to be the safest bet, I think those days are over. I think, yeah. we, I think if you're right. That's yeah, what we learned right. from the last election is that, you know, here you had someone who was so fucking whacked out on, on the right... On the Republican side, and he won. He energized right. voters, and I think that I mean, or maybe he didn't. That's a whole other discussion. But, but I think we need someone like that on the left. Otherwise, people are just going to sit home and be like, "It's more of the same. Hey, it's another Hillary Clinton." No, right. I think you're. I think you're right. And look, Biden is Biden's certainly beatable for the nomination. The question is, is, is there someone not who is a mirror image of, of Trump on the left, but is there someone who can create that kind of not just excitement, you don't need a celebrity, but what Trump really did was he, he, he spoke for, it seemed like on the right, a lot of silent and not so silent sort of grievances and anger, resentment, racial and otherwise at, at Barack Obama. He was able to sort of collect a lot well, of- Well, he, he ran on racism. He ran on racism and hatred and bigotry. And, and uh, you know, people like myself underestimated how deep those things ran in this country. But I, I think he won for all the worst reasons, and I think, and that's I think that's what birtherism was all about was to was to create um, a, a, a love for himself among the the worst elements of our nation. You know, and, and birtherism and racism in the White House is a you know we we like to think and hope a deeply abnormal those are deeply abnormal phenomena. I think the question but they're for so overt is abnormal. So overt. I mean, Wilson was a was sure, a racist. Sure, no, so overt, but in modern times. But the I think the question for a lot of Democrats that are asking is, okay, what do you what do you want the most? Do you want kind of a return to what they consider normalcy, which is basically for the last twenty plus years, kind of the the Clinton Obama incrementalism, kind of center left, you know policies get change i mean obamacare was a was a big program that was passed uh that isn't wasn't just a centrist program it was big very big at the time or do you want like real change do you want to beat mm -hmm. trump and make fundamental systemic change i think it's the, the latter economy? yeah i think it's the only way you get young people to come out and and it needs to be someone that can it's like captivating and, and has like something some sort of fire and i feel like kamala and um and um booker warren, booker, warren, warren yeah sure th there's just a there's a fire in them Bernie. and i don't think joe biden has that fire right i think he's there i think he's going through the motions but i don't there's no reason for me to be excited about him as as our next president right one thing i just want to say about kamala harris until the debate she was quite middle of the road you yeah know, she was right some there. people worry she's not far left enough oh no i mean and in terms of like changing and blowing up the system i mean she wasn't like that particularly in, in california she straddled you know she was a she was a prosecutor as, as has been written in, in length and her record was not something that a lot of liberals loved right. so whether she's the the change agent you want i mean i think of the current field the person who's suggesting the most systemic change like across the board is elizabeth warren right and you know, she did also did pretty well. Uh, her debate was was Wednesday night. She, you know, she did pretty well. I think the question they, there are a lot of questions in terms of how people feel about Elizabeth Warren, and for some reason, and there are reasons for this, she's seen as a kind of the gamble right now that that you could put her up. And the question is, will she trigger? A lot of the misogyny that we saw right. in 2016, Pocahontas with Gate, Hillary Clinton, yeah, you know, and that nickname, you know, I don't, I don't like, to, I don't like to say it, uh, but you know, that racist, well, you know, the word Pocahontas in itself is not offensive. She was a real person. She was a real person, but the way but, Trump yes. uses it is offensive. Pat, so, one of yeah. the um, things that stood out in the first debate. Uh, the first of the two was uh, non-Spanish speaking people speaking Spanish <laughs> and not always properly. Oh uh, the first person who did it was was Beto O'Rourke, uh, congressman from Texas. Uh, take a listen to Beto trying to speak Spanish. 
cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada, votar, ca cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. Now he made three mistakes that I could oh, hear. You're brutal. You're one, brutal. One was, he said, este economía, that's a masculine adjective mm -hmm. with a feminine uh, noun. Then he said, did it again. He said, nuestra, nuestro democracia, mm -hmm. which is, again, masculine and feminine. And then he said, cada, cada votar, which means each to vote, mm -hmm. and then corrected it and said, cada votante. But these are mistakes that a fluent speaker really would not make. I mean, mm -hmm. if they, I'm, not a, I'm not a native speaker, and I immediately was like, oh, that's yeah. wrong. So he got a lot of shit for that. And then mm. Booker, there's, there's now a meme of Cory Booker giving him side eye while he was speaking <laughs> very, Spanish. Very intense so then eye. Booker, not to be outdone, also dropped some Spanish. Here's Booker. And he, as, as one of the late night hosts said, sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, we have Secretary, I'll give you 30 seconds. Let's be very clear. Wait, that's not Booker. Cory Booker speaking Spanish. Anyway, my, my question... Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, sorry about the technical problems. So the question is, did they hurt themselves or help themselves by speaking Spanish? Well, the thing to remember was that Telemundo was one of the three media hosts, and that first debate got you know 15 million uh, you know in viewership, which was huge. So I, I actually don't know how many people were watching Telemundo, but probably most of the people watching Telemundo had really not experienced Beto O'Rourke or Cory Booker and the you know the act you can call it certainly gimmick but of of in Beto's case making that your very first answer you're speaking Spanish will at least be memorable and people will say wow who was that who was okay that? listen to Cory Booker doing it and okay. picture Arnold Schwarzenegger in your head <laughs> which criminalizes coming nope, across wrong the border one. to incarcerate the president. wrong one that's uh, that's a Castro versus Beto Castro, who's Spanish, uh, even though he's Hispanic, is not as good as Beto O'Rourke. Well, his accent was good. <laughs> his accent, At least his, his accent was his authentic. Accent was good, they right. both Booker and Beto sound like very, like white people right. <laughs> speaking Spanish. Um, Castro, though, really did have that moment with Beto O'Rourke, and I think up until now, most people don't know who who Julian Castro is. That he was the former uh, HUD secretary? He's former HUD secretary, former mayor hmm. of San Antonio. Um, but he had his moment and really came down hard on Beto over immigration. Do you, ha do you still have that one queued up, JB, the one we just heard? What's that about? That was a, that was very inside baseball for me. Yeah, the 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 to to break it down, it basically was about whether people who are crossing the border illegally should be charged with a crime or should be charged or be given a civil fine. You know, basically whether you are decriminalizing border crossings or not. And you know, this was something that, you know, for many years the Democratic Party and its attempts to create comprehensive immigration reform, work with Republicans, you know, it was always pretty clear it's still a criminal act to enter the country illegally. Um, but some liberals in the party now are making the argument that that this should not be a crime. A crime, for instance, is partly what is a predicate for the family separations that okay the the parents now are going into the criminal justice system the children need to be put somewhere so they're put in detention so that so that definitely is a concern there i think the issue that that castro was going on and he he did find this this distinction with better work was he was saying it should be a civil fine it should be a civil fine and beto has still taken the position that it still should be you know, an, an issue for the criminal justice system. I don't think the average viewer really understands the distinction. I didn't get it. Yeah, and they were talking mm. about a, 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 a section code of of, uh, of the law that got very in the weeds. I mean, I, I think for the most part, and, and this is what neither of them did as well as Kamala Harris did against Joe Biden, neither of them turned it into a kind of a personal story or gave it like a personal dimension that really made you kind of understand or feel the pain of, like, for instance, like the family separations, it definitely got in the weeds. Let's listen to Castro versus Beto. Hit it, JB. 
reason that they're separating these little children from their families is that they're using Section 1325 of that act, which criminalizes coming across the border, to incarcerate the, pre the parents and then separate them. Some of us on this stage have called to end that section, to terminate it. Some, like Congressman O'Rourke, have not. And I want to challenge all of the candidates exactly. to do that. I just think it's a mistake, Bethel. I think it's a mistake. And I think that, that if you truly want to change the system, then we got to repeal that section. If not, Thank you. then it so might as well, well be the same let, policy. Let, let me very very respond to this very briefly. Since Actually, as a member of Congress, I helped to introduce legislation that would ensure that we don't criminalize those who are seeking asylum and refuge I'm in this country. If you're about, fleeing, if you're fleeing desperation, then I'm I want to make about, sure, I'm I want to make sure that you're treated else. with respect. I'm still talking about everybody but, else. But you're looking at just one small part of this. I'm talking about a comprehensive rewrite of our immigration that's laws. That's not true. And if we do that, I don't think it's asking too much for people I'm talking about laws. I'm when they talking come about to this millions country. of folks. A lot of folks that are coming are not seeking asylum. A lot of them are undocumented immigrants, right? Part of this, Patrick, is they're all trying to outflank each other on the left, yes. right? They're all who's We've the most progressive. That was that was the probably the single biggest takeaway of this debate. I've never uh, covered or heard a Democratic presidential debate that where liberal voices and liberal ideas were so aggressively uh, discussed and where the candidates were trying to outdo each other in appearing more progressive, more mm -hmm. liberal. Um, you know, take that for what you will, depending on what your political ideology is. But like the moderates just look like pipsqueaks. I mean, they right. were drowned out. They were sort of tentative. I mean, Joe Biden had this completely awful moment where whether because he couldn't hear the question or he was just slow off the mark. He would when they would ask these sort of raise your hand questions. And at one point they were oh, yeah. asking about raising your hands on, on decriminalization at the border. Joe Biden sort of put up his little he finger points. and he sort of points and you couldn't tell whether he was raising his hand or he was like asking to comment. It just, yeah, it was, you know, it was not a good moment. Do we, who are the moderates besides Biden? Uh, Amy Klobuchar, Minnesota is probably the, the most, um, you know, the, the, the one who is making kind of the strongest argument that, for instance, for gun control, where she starts is, Hey, is this gun law going to affect, you know, my Uncle Dick in his uh, duck blind? You like, I mean, she's trying to sort of say, I care about gun owners, but I also think we should have moderate gun control. Her big plan is an infrastructure plan, which is always popular with both parties, but it doesn't necessarily get, you know, young right. voters. Right. That's not a hot excited. button issue. And then there are other people like uh, John Hickenlooper, the former governor of Colorado. You know, who's making the argument we can't keep talking about socialism. That's a kind of well, no one's really talking about socialism except Donald Trump. But, you know, we need to be um, you know, we need to be thinking about this is a we need to be appealing to centrists. Interesting enough, Elizabeth Warren makes the distinction with Bernie Sanders around capitalism. She will often talk about how she is a capitalist, how she believes in a in a capitalist structured economy and that she's doing it in a way. And it's not that subtle. You know, but to try to, again, make Bernie just seem like a beat or two too far to the left on economic. Do we have Booker speaking Spanish? Or I'll, if not, I'll, we'll just go to Marianne Williamson because we have oh. to talk about her. <laughs> the breakout star. The breakout star, right. So Ryan introduced me to this. I, uh, because I didn't watch. I, and, and I didn't either. And you guys didn't really talk about her much, Pat, in the Times. I just watched like a, like a <clears throat> Seth Meyers. She is a Saturday Night Live character waiting to happen. First of all. 1983 called it wants its hairdo back <laughs> she hasn't changed her hair since her first oprah appearance and i i honestly didn't know she was running for president <laughs> you didn't um, really so all those books on your i shelf, didn't know she I was running for president or who she was so this was just like jb who are you going to give me uh cory booker or marianne williamson i think we just I can give you marianne let's give let's hear marianne so listen to how fucked up her voice is <laughs> and she sounds like a bad actress auditioning for a role <laughs> take a listen to this this man has reached into the psyche of the American people, and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and, sir, love will win. <laughs> I mean, how are people not laughing? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's Mr. interesting because... If you can hear me, right. if you're listening. 
I, you know, all those thousands and thousands of donors basically, you know, got her a little, you know, few minutes of airtime to give the love message. It's interesting. Cory Booker has been using the word love a lot on mm-hmm. the campaign trail. His his message, you know, sort of this love wins and we got to heal the country and it's all about love. And he definitely backed away from that. He did not want to be seen as part of the Marion Williamson. <laughs> I'm going is to harness pull- love. <laughs> is she pulling high enough, really, that she, she gets a, got a spot on that debate? She is. She is. I think she crossed the threshold. She crossed the threshold first for donors. And, like, this is a question we we should explore. Yes. <laughs> who are the 65,000 people who are giving money to Marion Williamson? That might be just a buck. That's I might all give the her Democratic a buck. Party. They're all Oprah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think Oprah and Gail moved me. Um, All right. Well, in the time remaining, Pat, I I know you don't listen to my show very often, but you must know about the game. Ask me no questions. Ask Ask me no no questions. questions. Ask me no questions. You spent years covering the Clintons. Tell us your favorite Hillary story. Oh, God. It was when we did a story. The Times did a story about Barack Obama and uh, how he played basketball and like what his jump shot told you about how he'd run the country. And it was this long kind of glowing story about Obama and basketball. And Hillary Clinton came over to me and she put her hands on my shoulders and she said, when am I going to get my fucking basketball story? When am I going to get that? It's like, what do I need to do? Do you want to come over and watch me garden? Do you want me to come over and watch me play Scrabble? That's hilarious. And I've never even heard that story. I thought you were going to do the one where you walked her home drunkenly. Oh, there is that. that is, that's, uh, I do love that story. That's true. Pat, you covered the wars in both <laughs> Afghanistan and Iraq. Did you ever hook up with a member of the armed forces? Uh, yes, but the Australian Armed Forces. Oh, that that's was, even hotter. Uh, that was pretty great. Here's actual audio that. from that moment <laughs> between Pat and the Australian soldier. Um, Pat, you've been to more of my comedy shows than almost anyone. What is your favorite joke of mine? Oh, oh God. God. You know my memory isn't good. Um, <laughs> You're only a reporter. It's it's always about Fi. Uh, my and, mother. And as someone who doesn't listen to the show ever, uh, I don't know how much we talk about Fi, but... Your mother is, I love your mother, and you have a way. She loves you. My mother is literally Pat's biggest fan. Well, she's also, but she sends me like those criticism notes. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Whenever she's upset that the Times and, you know, some of your (laughs) listeners may agree with Uh. with Phyllis Sank, you know, whenever the Times is not calling Trump out properly or such a pain in the ass. I love her. She emails you way more than she emails me. She emails me a lot. Um, so Phyllis jokes are your favorite. Phyllis jokes are my favorite. You're a regular on CNN. Has Don Lemon ever made a pass at you Never. under the desk? No. Never no. grabbed your joint? I crushed on Don Lemon for a little while, and it was like not to be. No. He's very handsome. Mm-hmm. No. He's very cute. He's, he's does cute. he have a boyfriend? I think or a husband? so. I think he's got a boyfriend now. If someone held a gun to your head and said, predict the Democratic nominee now... Who would it be? No way, baby. Not going Come there. on. No way. Not going I'm not there. asking which one. I, you have no opinion, I realize. Uh, I can't. I don't make predictions. I really don't know. I don't know. I think I, if the final top three four. Or top four. You know, right now, I would say just based on like a lot of metrics, um, I think Biden, Harris, you know, Buttigieg. And, well, that's tough. You really think that Buttigieg is going to be in the top four? I, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say Warren and Sanders, and that's five, uh, which is kind of lame. Have so, the po- has there yeah. been any polling since the debates? There's just been, um, there's been kind of like insta polls, and it basically showed that people felt that Warren won the first debate, not Castro, hmm. even though he's gotten a lot of, a lot of props, um, and that Kamala Harris won the second. And just as I came on here, there was the news that... Um, Kamala Harris raised $2 million after in the 24 hours after the debate, including from like 68,000 donors, of which 58% had never given to her campaign before. That's like a lot of... Well, and Trump Jr. is going after her on Twitter, which means that they're scared. Yeah. Um, Which journalist in history would you most like to bang? (laughs) (laughs) So it could be Edwin R. Murrow. It could be... Walter Cronkite. In history? Yes. Uh, no one in history. There are definitely, I mean, you know, journalists have gotten cute these Mine days. Mine would be so. that weatherman on ABC, that Italian guy. Sam Champion. No, no, no. Um, oh, God, I'll think of his name. He's so fucking Damn. hot. Um, is it true that Donald Trump's nickname for you in the press corps is Harry Nuts? <laughs> no, it was Smart Irish. Smart Irish, that was really? back in the day. Yeah, well, that was in 2016. You've yeah. had... He likes to go to the ethnic, you know? Yeah, well, the, that right. tells you exactly where his brain is. You've had a lot of conversations with him, and you say he's like 
pretty normal guy to talk to. Well, he's very ingratiating. You know, he wants people to like him, and he's had a lot of history. I mean, he's, you know, in, in terms of his line of business. But, you know, he would ask about my my partner, now fiancé. I mean, he had like a mem- I mean, it was, that, it was that kind of like decorum-ish thing, but he had no problem going to the gay stuff. Um but he's he was, not, when he talks to you on the phone, he's not the crazy person that no. we see well, on TV. I, I haven't talked to him on the phone since 2017, so I don't know what he's like now. But he, no, and, and I think he, you know, he would like to, like, crack jokes. He would like to make you laugh. He was, he would get, like, very silly very quickly. He would like to riff on pop culture, you know, kind of endlessly. He had a million opinions. I mean, you're, I, mean I know how much a huge fan you are of Howard Stern. Love. And, you know, Trump was always... He's always been such a totally problematic figure. But like some of those stern Trump, I think part of why Howard, Stern, you'd know better than I do, but why part of why he liked having Trump on is Trump could be a good talker. Absolutely. You know? We got to end it there. Yep. Pat Healy, how can people follow you online if you want them to follow you? So it's Patrick Healy NYT on Twitter. And uh, that's the best place to and find And honestly, me. everyone should have a subscription to nytimes.com. Everyone. It is your civic yes. duty that's the only way to really be informed. Ryan Thank and JB, you. please plug yourselves. At Ryan Frosting with an N. At Stocking Anarchy 12. Harness love. I want to <laughs> harness love. I want to thank everyone for uh, being on the show today, especially Pat Healy. Next week, Ryan and I will be back with Broadway guest Daniel Reichard, who starred in the original cast of Jersey Boys. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to follow me, me at Adam Sank on Twitter and Instagram. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week. Happy, Happy Pride. Pride. Yeah. yeah.